Good morning, everyone. You're tuning into the Morning Mixtape News. It's May 17th, and I'm your host, Benjamin Bidigan, reporting for CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto. Here are the top stories for today. Turkey held general elections on Sunday, as current President Erdogan faces his greatest challenge yet to his 20 years in power. In U.S. news, the United States and the global economy teeters on the brink of disaster as negotiations in the U.S. Congress over the national debt ceiling remain gridlocked. In news from Toronto, the TTC announced this week that its controversial deal with Rogers will be extended for an additional 10 years in what critics are calling a backdoor sweetheart deal. We'll end off our show today by taking a look at what the Canadian federal government is calling the grocery rebate and we'll hear from Toronto residents sharing their thoughts on the government's latest initiative to combat the cost of living crisis. Now let's dive into the news. In Turkey, after a neck-and-neck race on Sunday, it's still unclear who will be the country's next president, as candidates move to a second round of elections later this month. Sunday's elections have been seen as a particularly important moment for Turkey. Political analysts have suggested that this may be the current President Erdogan's greatest challenge yet in his political career. Recep Tayyip Erdogan rose to national prominence back in 2003, and he has largely dominated Turkish politics since then. He served as Prime Minister from 2003 till 2014, and then as President from 2014 until today. Before Erdogan became President, the Prime Minister used to be the most powerful position in government, while the president functioned largely as a figurehead. But after a sustained movement spearheaded by Erdogan's Justice and Development Party, or AKP, Turkey held a constitutional referendum in 2017, which transitioned the country to a presidential system. Erdogan once again became the most powerful person in the country. Erdogan has a large popular following, especially among the country's religious conservative voting base, but his political opponents describe him as an autocratic despot, threatening Turkish democracy and the rights of women and minorities in Turkey. According to Al Jazeera, Erdogan's popularity has waned somewhat in recent years, particularly due to the cost of living crisis faced by the nation, precipitated by a soaring inflation rate currently at 46%. Erdogan's government was also heavily scrutinized in the aftermath of a series of deadly earthquakes that struck the nation's southeast earlier this year. It's estimated that almost 60,000 people were killed in Turkey, many of whom were trapped under the rubble of poorly built housing structures. Critics say Erdogan's AK Party officials did not do enough to ensure builders complied with regulations, and that Erdogan handed out lucrative building contracts to his business associates without ensuring their compliance with safety codes, according to a foreign policy article. The main opposition candidate Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu and his opposition coalition hope to capitalize on the public's waning confidence in Erdogan, pledging to tackle inflation and restore Turkey's democratic institutions. However, both Kılıçdaroğlu and Erdogan failed to surpass the 50% vote threshold. The presidential race will now advance to a second-round runoff election on May 28th to determine Turkey's next president. In U.S. news, tensions are rising in the federal government as debt ceiling negotiations in Congress continue to stall. A debt ceiling in the U.S. political system is basically the government's spending limit, currently set at $31.4 trillion. The U.S. reached its debt ceiling on January 19th earlier this year. Since then, the U.S. Treasury has warned that the government will soon run out of funds to cover its debt obligations. On Friday last week, the Treasury projected that the U.S. would begin defaulting on its debt as early as June 1st if the U.S. Congress does not approve a spending limit increase. 
Increasing the debt ceiling is a fairly routine procedure in the U.S. system. According to the Treasury, since 1960, Congress has acted 78 times to raise the debt ceiling. However, the U.S. Congress is now experiencing a deeply politicized gridlock in debt ceiling negotiations. Currently, Democrats control the White House and the Senate, while Republicans control the House of Representatives. President Biden and Congressional Democrats are advocating for the debt ceiling to be raised, but Republican Congress members won't agree to raise the debt ceiling unless Democrats agree to major spending cuts. Republicans are especially targeting social programs for spending restrictions and cuts, including programs that provide food assistance to low-income families and Biden's student loan forgiveness program, according to Al Jazeera. The $850 billion U.S. military budget, however, remains largely untouched in Republican spending cut proposals. Economists project that if the U.S. does default on its debts, it will send an economic shockwave across the globe, comparable to the financial crisis of 2008. Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden met on Tuesday for an emergency negotiation meeting, but McCarthy told BBC News that the two parties remain far apart. Meanwhile, the prospect of a global economic disaster looms overhead. In Toronto news, on Monday, TTC spokesperson Stuart Green announced that the TTC's contract with Rogers to provide cell service on the system would be extended by another 10 years, in what critics are calling a sweetheart deal. The initial contract, signed in April this year, granted Rogers the rights to providing cell service to TTC users until 2032, but that expiration has been extended to 2042 under the new terms of the agreement. In April, Rogers acquired the Canadian operations of Australia-based BAI Communications, which has had exclusive rights to build a wireless network for the TTC since 2012. BAI started building connectivity infrastructure on the TTC back in 2012, but at the time, only Freedom Mobile signed on to using BII infrastructure. Without buy-in from other major carriers, BAI eventually stopped expanding its cell infrastructure as the project was no longer economically viable. According to Daniel Sai, a University of Toronto and Toronto Metropolitan University lecturer in business, law, and technology, the deal with BAI reached a dead end because the big carriers simply didn't see a partnership with BAI as lucrative. Speaking on CBC's Metro Morning last month, Sai said, quote, I think this exposes sort of the driving force behind the big three. A lot of the time, it comes down to money, and they just didn't see the economics here as being worthwhile, end quote. But telecom carriers started expressing a renewed interest in providing TTC users with service after a series of violent incidents on the TTC earlier this year received wide publicity. When Rogers acquired the carrier rights in April, the company emphasized that ensuring all users had access to 911 services would be a top priority. Rogers' competitors are decrying the TTC agreement with Rogers as a backdoor deal, and Bell spokesperson Jacqueline Michelis stated last month that the deal is essentially, quote, just replacing one gatekeeper with another, end quote. Now let's take a look at the Canadian government's newly proposed grocery rebate program. In an attempt to combat inflation and curb the cost of living crisis, the federal government announced last Thursday that they will be implementing the Cost of Living Act. Part of this act includes what the government has called the grocery rebate. This one-time rebate payment is expected to be distributed to 11 million low- and modest-income Canadian households, according to a government press release. Couples with two children or more will receive $467, while single Canadians without children will receive $234, 
and seniors will receive $225 on average. The rebate program is expected to be largely popular with Canadians, but many are also saying that the one-time payment will hardly put a dent in their skyrocketing grocery bills. This weekend, I visited my local Freshco grocery store in Toronto's West End to speak with shoppers and hear their thoughts on the new program. I was wondering if I could ask you your thoughts on the grocery rebate. Have you heard about that? I read an article about it. I know okay. it depends on if you have a family of four or if you are right, right, an elderly right. person, etc. I think it's sad that we are at this point, honestly, in Canada. That people need help to be able to sustain themselves and their families. Yeah. I think this is really a sad, sad point. Do you think that the amount that they're sending is going to be enough to cover your grocery needs? I doubt. If it's $200, it's like one week, not even right, <laughs> of right. grocery. So, yeah, I think we need to put pressure on the grocery stores. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and the price of the food. Yeah. They should talk to the big companies. <laughs> Absolutely, we should. Well, I guess it's a good, it's a good uh, idea for families. Well, we both have, you know, uh, families here. I think they should double it. In fact, maybe even triple it because there's a lot of families who, you know, don't make it because they're living paycheck to paycheck and food is universal. You need food to survive. Um, same as rent. And as you know, we live in such a very expensive city and not everyone can afford food nowadays, so it would be nice if they could make it, like increase it, not just here's a basic amount because Toronto is expensive. You're listening to the Morning Mixtape News on CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm your host, Benjamin Bilgan, and you can tune in tomorrow at the same time for more news. Thanks for listening.